Hey, amen. Hey, good to see all of you and to worship together uh, on this very special day. And um, as you know, it's um, Mother's Day, and I wanted to kind of ask you, how many of you have um, maybe learned your faith from your mom? Like, show of hands, like your mom or your grandma was someone that taught you your faith, right? Um, A lot of us. And really um, have done so much, and we thank God for our mothers. Some of us um, might have lost our uh, loved ones in that way, but we're still grateful. And so it's a great day to think about them and to give thanks to them. The Bible talks about, um, in the Ten Commandments, to honor your father and your mother. And what a great opportunity to do that in our prayers and in our thoughts of raising their values in our lives, right? Um, And uh, speaking highly of them. And uh, it's a wonderful thought. And so... Uh, we're going to be praying later together for that. And also, this week, um, we went to our pastor's synergy retreat that our church uh, hosted from day one. And we had, uh, as I mentioned last week, I think uh, 34 pastors. Two came from Sydney. One came from Africa. Um, and then from all over the country as well. But it, we had a wonderful time of um, connecting. Many were starting new churches. And it was really nice to... Um, get together, and, and it was a time to share your um, struggles and failures and, uh, you know, and, and the things that worked, things that didn't. Um, and so it's nice that we are concerned, not just about our church, which is very important to be concerned about our home church, but to take part in something bigger and to encourage the, the universal church. Um, and so it was a wonderful time, and a lot of you who prayed, um, I wanted to thank you for that. And uh, um, so that was wonderful. Today we are back into our series on the fruit of the Spirit. And we went through two already, and we're in the, th- the third out of this list on love, joy, and peace. Now, if you could all have peace, it, it would be really invaluable, right? If, if someone says, hey, I can give you complete peace, so you could have a complete night's rest. You don't have to worry about ulcers and worries, and life is just peaceful, Life is just calm. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, how much would you pay for that? Right? We would pay uh, uh, more and more as we get older. Right? Uh, and we're going to talk about that. You know, the Bible talks about um, the peace that we have with God in Christ. So before he loved us, we were enemies with him. And now we have peace. And he calls us to have peace with each other, to love the enemy, to get along in this way. Um, but today we're going to talk about the inner peace. The absence of anxiety, the absence of worry. And some of you are already saying, oh man, you don't know. You don't know what's on my plate. You don't know what's on my mind. How do I get rid of this? And this is, uh, today's uh, passage and message is far more than something you might hear, um, you know, in a, in a motivational talk about managing your schedule and managing your life. And uh, those are helpful But this is something far greater. This is surpassing. This is greater than something you'll read out of a self-help section in the bookstore that talks about how to manage your life and money and finances and all this stuff. It's far more than that. It surpasses all of those things. And here what we see, and I want us to look at verse 7 first. This is what we are aiming towards, right? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't we want that so much? Let's read that out loud one more time. Verse 7 together. Everyone together. One, two, three. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
here we see this phrase, it's, it's the peace that's from God, and then it's in Christ Jesus. And when we look at the passage, I want to focus on verse 4 through 7, over and over, it keeps talking about God. That it happens in God. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord. Verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, let your requests be known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds. So the one common factor here, the main thrust of this we see here is this idea of the peace that we have that comes from God. Um, that this is not something we make. It's not a discipline I have that I decide to be peaceful. Uh, you remember that song from the 80s, you know, Don't Worry, Be Happy. And uh, he kept singing that song and it became popular because it kind of made people feel good. But really, can you, can you just stop worrying and be happy just because I decided to? I don't think we could. If we could, we wouldn't have the amount of uh, drugs that are out there, you know, prescription drugs and the amount of uh, pains and all the stresses that we have that come from that. We can't just do this. It comes in God. Um, Thomas Watson, the Puritan writer, says this. And he says, the first fruit of love is the musing of the mind upon God. Right? So let, let's, let me just explain that. It, it's the idea, when you are in love with something, someone, you know, you're always thinking about them. Right? It, even when you might have a crush in, in high school on someone, and you're always thinking about them. You know, you're always thinking about that person. You know, when you, the, the person that gets married, they're always thinking about that person, right? Um, the musing of the mind upon God. He who is in love, his thoughts are ever upon the object. He who loves God is ravished and transported with the contemplation of God. A sinner crowds God out of his thoughts. He never thinks of God unless with horror as the prisoner thinks of the judge. So what he says is this. It's pretty simple. The more you think about him, the more you think that because you love him, um, you're not going to be able to crowd your mind. He says the sinner crowds God out of his thoughts. He thinks about all those things. Way too many things. Important things. Good things often get in the way of our thoughts of God. And here we see this, that this peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We see a picture here. The word guard is a military word in the original language. And it's the picture of a, a, a military unit guarding something, right? Uh, guarding the castle, guarding the city. And there is a, them encircled on the outside. And you are safe on the inside. And it says the peace of God not just a simple technique, not just doing meditation or breathing right. Or, no, it's the peace of God that guards you, your hearts and your minds. Your hearts and your minds. The heart, the center of the will. The center of all emotions, of why you do what you do. That's why God, Jesus tells love the Lord your God with all your heart. Your mind, where you decide what is true, what is not. What do you think upon? So... God, the peace of God, guards all of those things. And today we want to look at this passage. And we want to see the truth that God is with us. And how we have peace because of this. Right? Uh, the things that being with God gives to us and then what we ought to do about it. It's kind of two parts. So being with God, uh, being in Christ, what it gives, what it, how it affects us. And then how we ought to react, what we ought to do about it. Right? And something, I remember when my youngest was in, uh, actually was in preschool, um, just right up the corner here. 
gosh, how old was she, like four, five? And we'd go drop her off, and they'd tell us, um, you can drive around, parents, you could drive around, and there was like a little hill, you could drive around the preschool and look on top of the hill, and you could look down, and you could, you could watch your children. And they said, you could watch your children, but give us like a, they, they had a hand signal, I forgot what it was, like thumbs up or something. Give us a hand signal so we know that you're not some creep, you know. So, um, so you're on this hill, and you're watching your children play, and I used to stop by, and I would watch them. You know, give them the hand signal so they don't call the police. And, you know, watch them play. Right? But at that age, it's, so, it's such a sweet spot, isn't it? They have no worries. They have no one to impress. They don't care what their clothes look like. They don't care if it's orange and red and it doesn't match. And um, Maybe some of us are like that still. But, you know, I mean, we don't, they don't care. They're just out there having a good time. Uh, they don't make differences about who they are. They say as it is, and all they're worried about is, when am I going to play, when am I going to eat, when am I going to sleep, you know, and somewhere in between, go to the bathroom. Um, and life is good. And so, you know, we watch that, and we say, boy, I, I envy that. Boy, life is good. And it seems like as life goes on, as we get busier and older, and more responsibilities, the more worries you have. And we say, oh, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could be like this. But we can't. And this is what, the, what being with God, being in Christ does and gives to us. And uh, I want to share a couple thoughts with you here. Number one is we get joy. It, the Bible tells us rejoice, right? In, in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He tells us, Paul tells us to rejoice. And he says, let me say it again in case you skim over this. Again, I say, let me make this emphatic that I say you need to rejoice. Gordon Fee in his commentary talks about this. He says, Paul, the theologian of grace, is equally the theologian of joy. That we need to rejoice. And where does this come? It's in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. You know, our, our world we live in, we rejoice over things that happen to us. And so all, all of our, the world's joys is all dictated by all the, the things that happened. The entertainment that happened. The, the good experience that I might have had. Um, the, the promotion I got, the, the new thing I bought. And it's all about everything outside of us. But those things all fade away quickly. So here it says, your joy is not just about those things. And you can celebrate those things and enjoy those things. But rejoice where in the Lord. When? Always. Tells us the where, the sphere of it, and the time of it. In the Lord always we ought to rejoice. So what is this like? We ought to remember this and worship God regularly. I think when we get together for corporate worship like this and we sing together and we pray together, um, whether you like the song, you don't like the song, whether you know, the sermon you know, made sense or not or whatever it is, but you get together and there's something about this. I mean, when, when's the last time you sang together with a group of people? When you're saying about something hopeful that you have, and you're saying in one voice together, and you pray together, we rejoice always in the Lord for what he's given to us. Being with God, secondly, gives us a sense of what this ESV says is a reasonableness. It's a big word, isn't it? Reasonableness. Uh, look at verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Again, here's that phrase, the Lord is at hand. God is here. What does this mean? Um, Commentators point out that there's like a double meaning to that, right? That, that God is present with me, that God is with me, and that's comforting. But the second meaning is that God, the, the Lord is at hand, that he's coming back for me. He's coming to me. He's waiting to come to me and to answer me. And he says, so let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Uh, the, 
New American Standard translates that word, a gentle spirit. Being, knowing the fact that God is with me, knowing the fact that God is coming back for me, gives us a sense of a gentle spirit as opposed to a panicking spirit. Just panicking and freaking out about everything that happens. A gentleness, a steadfastness. So these are things we get when we are in God. And thirdly, we get an attitude of thanksgiving. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything in prayer, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make a let your request be known to God. Um, think about this. The gratitude, he says, comes from being in God. If you are the, the person who is grateful, um, is often grateful for the things that they have. We, we, you know that phrase that we hear often, count your blessings. You know, boy, you know, my health and my, I have my parents with me and, you know, my kids and my, my spouse and, you know, my house and my, my place of worship. And I was talking to someone just after first service and they were sharing about, you know, that, that work is hard, but they get to pick their job and they get to pick where they get to go to church and all the blessings that he has in his life. And we could really count it. But the person that is grateful, what do they do? They think about all the things that they already have. They're grateful for all the things they already have. The person who is filled with anxiety is worried about all the things that they don't have. Oh, what if this happens tomorrow? Oh, what if I don't get this? You know, what if I don't get married at this age in the exact time I wanted it to do? What if, you know, my kid doesn't do this? Or what if at, job, at my job this doesn't work out? And what if I don't get, I get passed up for a promotion again? What if, what if, what? all the things that are out there that I don't have, we often worry about. So what does the Bible tell us? He says, if you're with God, you get a sense of reasonableness, you get a sense of gratitude, you get joy. Because of that, because you have all these wonderful things that money cannot buy in Christ, you ought to do these two things today. Number one is stop worrying. Now we could say, let's stop worrying. The Bible says here in verse Six. And these are the two things I want to say. Number one is not to worry. Number two is to pray, right? It says, do not be anxious about anything. You know, the word anxious there, in the original language, uh, you know, uh, commentators point out that it's being pulled from many directions, like being broken into many pieces. You're spread out all over, right? You have many things on your plate, many things going on. The same word is used in uh, Luke chapter 10 when it's describing Mary and Martha, right, in the latter part of that chapter, when uh, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening and Martha's running around busy. And then Martha finally gets upset and Mary says, oh, don't you care? Like, I'm doing all the work. Don't you care? How could you just sit there? And Jesus says, oh, you know, Martha, Martha, in verse 41, Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen what is right. You are anxious. You're all everywhere. Your mind is scattered everywhere. Now, you can imagine she's worried about the roast that's going to burn. And then, man, you got to serve the wine. you got to serve the water. you got to serve the food. And the guests are coming. And Mary's just sitting there. And Mary's so, so focused on the Lord that all those things don't matter. How do we stop being anxious? We, we sit before the Lord, and we don't have to worry. Do not be anxious about what? Anything. Paul says, anything. So all of us have come here, and if we were to scribble down all of our worries, all of your concerns, I'm sure a lot of it would have to do with finances. A lot of it would have to do with work. A lot of it would have to do with family. Um, a lot of it would have to do with some kind of health issue. Um, a lot of, you know, the, the, the too many things to do. And you have so many things. He says, Paul says, the same problems that you have now, they've had back then when Philippians were in. He goes, okay, 
let's just sum it all up. Uh, anything. Do not be anxious about anything. And for some of us, our, uh, you know, we want to process, well, it can't mean this. I mean, this is you know, so important. He goes, no, 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 anything. Do not be anxious about it. Stop spreading yourself everywhere about it. Remember what you know, uh, we just heard about being focused on the one we love. So everything else, that nothing crowds God out. That we ought to go to God in this way. Um, it's interesting that in the Bible, in the Ten Commandments, one of the first commandments that's given is to keep the Sabbath. Um, now, you think about this in, a, in the context of when they received it. These people are all slaves for generations. They had no say when they were in Egypt. Remember, and then they you know, exited or the exodus happened and the Ten Commandments are given. Uh, so imagine you're, a million slaves are out. They've been told when they can eat, where they will live, you know, what they will do for work, when they could rest. They're told everything. They have no choices. And then all of a sudden now, they are free completely. And they are completely free. And there is no security in a way because no one, there is no master there. You can imagine they are scrambling now. And the first things they complain about is, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Moses, you know, why did you bring us out here? We had meat back in Egypt. Why did you bring us out here? And the temptation for them to start scrambling around, they got to figure out what they're going to do, where they're going to live, what they're going to eat. And they're in the midst of that, and you can sympathize with these people, in the midst of that scramble, God interjects and says, keep the Sabbath. You shall remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It takes a tremendous amount of fortitude to pause in the midst of chaos and say, I'm going to pause and stop and remember God. Because the temptation is to go and now jump in all my anxiety and jump into all my worries and say, I got to get A, B, C, and D done. I got to make a list and make another list and I need to go. And, you know, we value that in our world today. Hard work, man, so-and-so sleeps five hours a day, four hours a day, and they did this and they did that. And we say, boy, that's so good. But really, the stronger person is not the person that reacts to their panic. is a person that in the midst of chaos that says, I can pause. I can trust God. And he tells us to do this, to not to worry. You know, there's a couple of quotes that I came across. Mark Twain says this. He says, I am an old man and have never... Uh, and have known a great many troubles, but most of them have never happened. Winston Churchill says something very similar. He says, when I look back on all these worries, I remember the story of the old man who said on his deathbed that he had had a lot of trouble in his life, most of which had never happened. So with Mark Twain, he says it never happened. Winston Churchill says his friend who was in his deathbed said all the struggles I had, it never really happened. So can I just tell you that one day, uh, when we are getting older, we'll look back and say, boy, I had nothing to worry about. Why did I worry? And we would say, if only I knew back then what I know now. But we know now, not to worry. You know, Mark Twain says, don't worry about this. Winston Churchill says, don't worry. And obviously, the Bible says, don't worry about this. Now, I think about the beginning stages of our church you know, the first year of our church as people are coming and it's a new church. Um, and the amount of worrying I did 
and uh, being, not being able to sleep through the night, waking up with church nightmares. Right? They're like the worst nightmares, like church nightmares, right? Um, you know, and, and wondering if someone's going to come, if they're going to make it, and who's going to show up, and who's going to do this, and all these things. And I look back on it now, I say, how foolish is that? The, the church of Jesus Christ has been going on for 2,000 years. I had no part in all 2,000 years, and all of a sudden I'm going to worry about this. Right? And God is saying, really, Steve? Now, oh, wow, wow, thanks, Steve. For, wow, thanks for your concerns, Steve. Like, where were you the first 2,007 years at the church? Oh, thanks, Steve. You know, really, it's, it's a humbling thought. And maybe you are worried about the things that you're doing and saying, really? And God is saying, really? Oh, you have a job and you have worries at job? Wow, this is the first time in the history of mankind. And that I wasn't there? Don't worry about this. Oh, you have money? You know, problems, and you have concerns about money, not having enough, join the rest of the 6.7 billion people in this world. You know, God's saying, hey, really, it's a problem that I know already. So, do not be anxious, he tells us. And the second thing he tells us to do is to go and pray. Sometimes we hear to go pray, and we think of it, we're more concerned about the act of praying. Um, the, the, the doing of the religious act than in what it really means. Right? So sometimes you hear pray, you, you, you kind of put it in the same category as all um, meditation and yoga or whatever. And you say, boy, isn't that all kind of same? It's the, it's the practice of it, the activity of it that gives me peace. No, no, no. What he's saying, and he wants to make this clear, it's the connection with God, the closeness of God in your life. That's important. So it's not just going through a prayer, saying the right prayer, saying the Lord's Prayer, saying the rosary. Is that, does that now give me peace? No, it's the one who I pray, uh, pray to, that God hears me. So don't just mark it off and say, okay, I did my prayers, I did my work. No, it's, I'm talking to the living God. And that's what Paul wants to get across. I'm, you're talking to the living God. It says here in verse 6, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, not just out in the sky somewhere, not just in your mind somewhere, but let it be known to God. Here is a command that's given to go and give some kind of a, a knowledge to God, like I'm, I'm informing God, but to an omniscient, all-knowing God. What, what he's saying is it's not that God doesn't know, but you go and depend on him. You go and talk to him. He hears you. You go and relay what's on your heart. And what topic should we talk about? He says here, everything. Everything. So your big problems and your little problems. Your things you're ashamed of and you're a little bit ashamed of. Your big mistakes, your little mistakes. Whatever it is, go and talk to him about it. Go to him in prayer. He is available. He hears you in this way. Dallas Willard writes in his book, Hearing God, he says, Few people arise in the morning as hungry for God as they are for cornflakes or toast and eggs, he says. Right? And really today, don't we wake up and aren't some of us just so driven? Did, they, did someone email me? Did someone write to me? Um, you know, what's the message I received? And we run to those things. We run to our phones sometimes to look at that. But we ought to run to the living God and say, I need to just spend some time. God, here's what's going on today. God, it's Mother's Day and I didn't make a reservation to help me today. You know, maybe that's your prayer. 
Um, you know, I need to buy something, God. You know, where do I go? Um, the mall is overcrowded with moms. Where do I go, right? This week I was at a conference, and one of the professors who presented her paper, uh, Lynn Underwood, uh, she, she had done um, a study, and she had come up with this quiz. Um, it's called the Daily Spiritual Experience Scale. And it had 16 questions, and she had had thousands of people take the survey, and she had written um, uh, her thesis on this, and she was presenting this now. And basically, on this daily spiritual experience scale, she asks this list of questions about, do you spend time daily with God? Do you spend time uh, twice a month, you know, uh, twice a week with God or once a week? And it asks those types of questions. Do you take time to pray? Do you and uh, people were checking them off. And one of the things that she found is that those who had a daily connection with God, their stress level was lower. Now, this is, this is kind of obvious. But she shared this, right, that the spiritual, uh, um, you know, stress, their stress was lower. Those who spent more time doing spiritual things with God. Those, on the other hand, and this included not just pastors, but this included counselors, those in the medical field. Uh, there's a high rate of burnout in those who are in a giving, uh, caring profession. Because you're always giving of yourself. And so even those, he says, those who didn't spend time in their spiritual time with God, the burnout was way high. And so it, there was this direct correlation. If you spent more time with God, you were stronger and able to handle this. If you didn't, boy, you just burned out. You say, I don't want to do this job anymore. It's, 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 someone's always taking this from me. And so if you want to now do well in life, you want to manage things well, you have a direct connection with God in Christ. And so prayer should never be an object of guilt and shame because I don't do it enough. Right? No, it's a privilege that I can go and pray to God and he hears me in this way. So to worry less, to pray more in thanksgiving, he says, from the God who is with us, who gives us all these wonderful things, you know, uh, a sense of um, gratitude, a sense of joy, right? Uh, all these things that we get in Christ, he says now back to verse 7 that we read. And the peace of God. And this is the only one that's really a promise. You know, everything else is, is kind of commanded or pointed. But here is the promise. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It will guard your heart. The center of your will. It will guard your mind where you make all your decisions. If those things are guarded by the peace of God, it doesn't matter if my circumstance is the same or if it changes. If I am guarded, my heart is guarded, my mind is guarded. It doesn't matter if my circumstance gets worse or better. There is a steady peace in our lives. So before you go and adjust your schedule and change things and simplify your life and all these things are good, before you go and do that, go and get connected to God. Know the truth that he is with you. And let the peace of God now surround you. I want, to, I want to challenge you this week. Every morning, get up and just get connected. Open up the scriptures and just get connected in your prayers. And it might be a stressful week. It might be a difficult week. But see how it changes your heart and your mind. That you would find the peace of God that is found in Christ 
and that would guard your hearts and your minds. And you could say, ah, it was a peaceful week. Isn't that our goal? Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for the gift of peace that we have. Lord, the world around us is constantly bombarding us with worries. We ourselves, Lord God, worry ourselves. We make up things to worry about. And in the midst of that, you now guard our hearts and our minds. So we thank you. We, we just pause and we think that you are with us. That we are in you. Jesus' name.